What's up, everybody? Hello, and welcome to episode number 147 of the VK Bros, with the VK Bros, Jason and Alex Von Cannell. Coming at you on a Thursday night, about a big day, about a very big day. Uh, how have you been, Alex? Day. Uh, I didn't have the kind of excitement that you did. Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, so, just to uh, start off a little little bit of story time, I got a, actually I got a lot of good feedback about story time last week. A lot of people very much enjoyed the uh, short stories that I read. Uh, they said it was the best part of the podcast, so uh, I might have to bring those storybooks back. But yeah, I I did a couple of jobs this morning, and then because both the boys are at kindy on a Thursday, and so did a couple of jobs, came home, mowed the lawn, jumped in the shower, and then as I'm coming out of the shower so i was home alone so i'm butt naked walking out through the uh hallway and found this two meter long carpet python inside the house so uh for audio listeners only alex has brought up a couple of pictures of my little mate yeah so it scared the shit out of me uh at the beginning because when you first see a snake i think it's a natural human reaction just to freak out because they've taken out so many of our ancestors in our time um but yeah so uh if i hadn't already gone to the toilet probably would have pooed myself but i didn't and uh yeah that's it when i've removed it from the house and that's uh out over the back fence of my place Uh, to your credit um i could never go and pick one up and take one out like he yep. did that so that's that is very impressive uh he did jason did facetime me uh, as it was happening and was trying to usher it so so for people watching the um watching us on rumble it, this snakes against a fence behind like like if you were to turn behind uh where the photo's been taken from is basically bushland yeah like, I, I live on the back of a nature home. reserve yeah yeah and apparently this snake is too good for its home. Hmm. So um, I didn't tell you this because after I got off the phone to you to, to go and pick Jake up, I was like, I wasn't really happy with just leaving it out there because it wasn't clearing off far enough away. So I actually brought my recycling bin around the back and I just scared into the recycling bin, chucked out in the back of the ute, drove it around the corner and took it out to a different nature reserve. So it's off, hopefully annoying someone else. But uh, the... The big part about this that I really grappled with all afternoon was I didn't want to tell my wife about it because my wife is not a snake person. And Most people aren't snake people. Yeah, I, I think human beings, we are, we are, there is something in our DNA which is inherently scared of, like fearful of snakes. Snake, original sin. Well, well, yeah, I think that's part of it. I think that, like, you, you know, they always say that the, uh, the DNA is passed on by the survivors. So I think the survivors that saw snakes take people out but didn't get taken out themselves, they were the successful ones, and that's why we just have this inherent uh, bad feeling about snakes when we when we see them. And, um, yeah, so my wife's not a big fan. So I wanted to open this up as a bit of a poll to the the listeners and the viewers when is an okay what's the what's the line for white lies little white lies because i i I did grapple with this so much this afternoon because so i'll give you another example we had a snake in our pool a couple of years ago and 
uh, we only really found out about originally because we, we've got a pool guy that comes once a month and we got home and we just had this paper note jammed into the back screen door saying snake in pool do not go in uh, so anyway it turned out it was just a keelback like they're a non-venomous snake they're all all around this area because we are straight off the nature reserve which has got um, like mangroves and stuff through it so it's their sort of natural habitat keelbacks fun fact actually a good snake to have around uh, the house because they occasionally eat cane toads so it's one of the only animals in the wild that actually eats cane toads interesting fun fact um, anyway so when we had that snake in the pool I don't think my wife got in the pool for over 12 months after that because she's just not a fan and fair enough too I, I, I sort of get it so so I, I grappled with the idea of not telling her about it well and, this is the so I'll tell you where I stand on, on this yeah I always tell yeah because I love a good story yeah and <laughs> I was saying when you rang me today, I'm like, if you don't tell her, I'll tell her because <laughs> I want to. I want to see the reaction. I want to watch the world burn. I was joking to Jason saying that he's going to have to get like sell the house. They're going to have to buy a new house, and I love that. Like I think that's cool. And yeah, I, Alex, I rather... Alex thought that was a joke. Um, that might be the reality at some point. Yeah, I even called my parents be... about it, and my parents were like, "Don't tell her." <laughs> like no, you've got to tell, tell her. And for the content. It's for the content. Well, that, that's the main reason. The only reason why I ended up telling her was because I had to use it for content. It's a it, it's an interesting story. So mm. I thought I'd better tell her. Otherwise, if she finds out while well, she's listening to the podcast on Monday driving to work, uh, she might crash or something like that. Because I, I had one in the shed last year. Yeah, I And remember. it was the weirdest thing. I was yeah, just cleaning, cleaning a car inside the shed and I just knew something in the corner of my eye just wasn't right. I looked up. And there was one curled up in the corner of my shed, like very high up. And I went, oh, oh, what am I going to do? So I turned around and walked out because I, I know um, one of the guys at the gym is is like you and doesn't mind fighting with them. And when I grabbed him and brought him in, it had gone. And that was yeah. like worse because now I didn't know where it was. So, and I've not seen it since. But the thing you need to understand about most snakes, they, they're not interested in us at all. Snakes are more scared of us than we are of them. Generally, snakes, even the venomous ones, all that sort of thing, they won't actually go out of the way to attack you. So unless you actually threaten them, they they are not interested in attacking at all. Not in my not in my dreams, Jason. They don't. Not in my <laughs> dreams. They don't do that. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure that uh, I'm sure the wife will be having some dreams tonight. <laughs> I uh, well, to protect myself, I I did like what a shaman would do, and I parked my Ducati with the aftermarket exhaust up against the shed and revved the shit out of it, <laughs> and sent vibrate like it shook the whole shed, and I've never seen it since. So yeah, nice, happy days. So I've got to ask you guys, so put it in the comments below. Would you have told your wife about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it okay to lie about um, to, so that you can stay in the house that you bought? Yeah. Um, but, and also you've got to, like, what, which way, like, do you think I chose correctly? Because the choice was really my wife's mental health versus podcast content. So did I choose correctly? I would, I would like to, you would guys to let me know. What would Dave Portnoy say, mate? It's content. It's always content. content. Yeah. All right. You uh, you had a little story too, didn't you? Yeah. So I've been filling everyone in. I thought I'd just tell people part of the process. Hopefully by next episode, I'll have like the, the, the final sort of news. But basically we've sent our final draft for our patent uh, application 
and the I think the second of June is when we're hoping to have it all wrapped up by. But I think we might I think we might be early because because we we acted on things really quickly. You know, I think the lawyer sent us something on um, was it Wednesday? No, Tuesday night at like seven p.m. Yeah, and we had already replied in a couple of hours with all the uh, amendments that we needed to make and. Mm-hmm. And what was kind of cool about it is one of the guys that we are working on it with is like a, he's kind of a, like a business coach, uh, uh, an ideasman, a, a, a futurist, a big brain thinker. And he's been doing the podcast rounds and he, um, he had mentioned this pattern and, and he'd, he'd said some pretty nice words about it, basically like, it's something for the financial system that's never been thought of before. And um, that sort of got me really pumped up that, because he's got, I think he's got a bunch of patents and, and, you know, he's just helping us do it. But the fact that he's talking about it makes me think, oh, no, like he, he thinks it's cool too. It's obviously got legs if someone who is experienced in patents like him thinks it's important and new and never been done before. Well, I'll explain more next week because once yeah. I've got once I've got the patent thing, I can actually talk about it. Because it really, it's so funny. You know how I did my rant about the QR codes and ordering in in um, uh, cafes, and we are just at such a technological divide at the moment where where we are meshing the human interaction with the software interface. Yeah, completely wrong, mm. completely wrong. And um, I made the example of this. So remember when we worked at dealerships, and and most listeners will probably know this. It's funny how we think about things and how we have these kind of cemented ideas of how things should be done, right? And mm-hmm. and computers and software was supposed to make life easier, right? Yeah. So what about the timesheet? Remember timesheets, right? So I, I've had to fill out timesheets my whole career. Mm-hmm. And what was so dumb, when, you, when I look back at it, and I always felt it, but I didn't know how to sort of articulate it. Why do I have to, like I got paid salary. So it yep. didn't matter what hours I worked. I, like I was getting paid the same amount. But why do I have to write? You know, I think at the top, most of my career, I've had to write nine till five, even though I've always worked eight till six. Yeah. But you just have to do nine to five because that's what 38 hours a week is, even so though... So, you know that's a dud, right? 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. So, but, but okay, but my question is, wouldn't an efficiency thing be... A, like, why doesn't it just default? Why doesn't the system just default yeah. to whatever you want it to say... Because 95% of the interactions that you're going to have with the timesheet are going to say the 38-hour week, exactly. 9 to 5. Yeah. It right? should literally be and as then, simple as there is a default calendar in for every single one of your weeks. And it should just have a checkbox next to it say, saying, are there any exceptions this week? Tick yeah. yes. And you can edit it to edit the exceptions yep. in and then done. It should be that simple. Okay. But, but I, I had this conversation with CEOs of companies... And they looked at me like I had two heads. And like, well, no, because you have to, you have to build it. Like, you have to build the. Yeah. No. And they're just looking at me like, and I'm like, no, like, no, that's not, like, that's just to me, that's crazy. Like, you're building something from the ground. It, it, 
it's like catching a bus to and and when uh, to the next bus stop and then building a new bus so you can go to the next stop mm. it just makes no sense like like let's have it all pre-done automate uh, uh automate what can be automated and the automation part is filling in everything that's going to be the same all the time anyway well, using your bus analogy, it would be like all the bus drivers uh, having a meeting every Monday morning where they get told what their routes are for that week, even though the route stays yeah. the same every week. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just, just redundancy. On. So, look, I, I think I think you've been slow jerking the listeners for a long time on this, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I guarantee yeah. you guys it is it is very, very interesting and will be worth listening to. So we are looking forward to the patent being locked up tickety boo and hearing more about it in in the future on the pod i want to tell you something else funny about the like the building of it is when you move into the brain space of trying to invent something that's never been thought of before yeah there's like a i've heard like coders say like uh, uh software coders they they say like don't talk to me while i'm coding because yep. they're speaking a different language on the computer and they're sort of in, in that world. And every time you talk to them, you're trying to bring them out of that and the way, what it does to their brain, they don't like it. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I didn't know that that was a thing, but I felt it when I was, when, when, when we were having these sessions talking about this stuff and you're talking at a particular level yeah. and then, okay, like my, the way that I deal with things is I will talk to lots of people about it, get lots of people's opinions on it. I'm practicing the pitch all the time. So I'll grab someone that doesn't know anything about it and then I'll pitch it. Yeah. And it was like below, like melting my, like melting their brains. Yeah. So it, it's weird how you have to like rejig your thinking uh, to make it palatable. Yeah. And, well, and we've, got, we've got to be careful because it makes sense to us. It, it, it makes sense to us because we've put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. But I need to, you know, and I'll need to do it before I mention it in this in, in in the show. Like, I need to make sure that I explain it not as someone who created it, but as yeah, what who understands this represents. it. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. You just speak to us like we're we're a bunch of dum dums. Uh, but but it's so true though, because one of the one of the most powerful parts of our brains is its ability to go into autopilot on things, mm-hmm. and I think and it does with everything like. The example I always use is how often do you drive to work in the morning and you get to work and then you go, was every set of lights I drove through green? Because I don't remember them. Because your brain is deliberately just autopiloting a lot of these functions so it doesn't have to actively think about it. And everyone has started a new job before, for example, or picked up a new task Mm. before. And you realize how mentally exhausting it is. You get home at the end of the day and you're just wrecked. Like I remember when I first started in the motor industry and I was living with you and you'll remember this too because you laughed at me about it. Well, no, let me, let me, I want to tell the story because sure. I was in the motor trade for seven years before you started, right? Yeah. And uh, I was the only person that was in sales and everyone else had like, I don't want to say laboring jobs, but jobs where they physical do stuff, jobs, you know, yeah, physical jobs, yeah, yeah. And um, I used to get heavily criticised by you and everyone else in the group that I'd just be knackered on a Friday night or something. I'm just exhausted. I'll, I'll fall asleep, or I wouldn't want to go out because I've just had a big day. And they're like, "Oh, how could you possibly have a big day? You just talk for a living. You just yeah. talk for a living." You just so Jason coffee. starts. Yeah, Jason starts in the industry, and I reckon every night for a week by like seven thirty, 
out, out yeah. like a light. And we only got home at 6.30. Yeah. 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 It, it, but it, that's it. Like, it's mentally exhausting. So, so then you apply this to what you're doing now where you have created something that has never existed before. Like... It, 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 that that must be the next level of your brain just going like working on overdrive because it's got no reference point to refer to or it's trying to grab onto reference points that it's wanting to use as those shortcuts to fill in the blanks yeah and you have to deliberately try to switch that part off and go no open your mind again like we're doing something different like that's well, I'll, that's tell the, I'll tell you the biggest thing the, the biggest thing in, in terms of like the thought pattern, the thought process is when you're doing it with a group, you you can't say no to anyone's idea at any time mm. because you you don't know if you're right or wrong. That's no one right. knows. It's impossible to know at that point in time whether you're right or wrong. So yeah. when someone says something, it could be so crazy out of left field, but you have to play with it. You have yeah, to go, oh, yeah. and, and then and, and it's weird most people default to defense. Yep. No, no, no. That's different to what I said. So that's not right. It's what I said. Yeah. But yeah. you have to consciously go, okay, how can I make that part work? What does that look like? Okay. And then, and mm. then try and try and piece it together. Yeah. And, and it doesn't come naturally. That doesn't come naturally. And I have to say Finbar, who, who's who been helping us out and he's got heaps of podcasts out. Uh, I suggest you go and he does Ted talks. Um, F I N B A R. If you go and look at, look at his stuff, you'll, you'll learn a lot, especially if you're, entrepreneurial if you have um if you are in a position where you can influence uh people processes whatever yeah uh, in your organization you'll definitely definitely learn and we've, we've been really lucky that that he's been working with us because um it, it's funny the thing that the thing the product the pattern mm-hmm. is basically five years worth of work that we would never in a million years would have thought to do a pattern right. ever, ever in a, in a million years. We would yeah. probably would have delivered a product. It may have worked. It may not have. Um, but because of the networking part and talking to a bunch of people and spending these times to uh, spending time dissecting the, 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 you know, all the ideas, throwing all the ideas out, putting them out, laying them out on the table and piecing them together. That's why we came to this. And, and, and look, it's still my, we might have a pattern that's completely worthless. That's that's a very real um, thing. But I just think yeah. the kind of value that this represents to the people that are going to use it is is huge. And I want to say, like this is this is the big part. So forget the what I think, and we, we've sort of modelled some um, some numbers. It could generate hundreds of millions of dollars mm. for certain industries, but. I'm telling you the user interface, what the customer will experience is unlike anything else. It's and the, will best, the best. And be able to be adapted to and applied to so many other uh, fields as well. Yeah. And yeah. take it take from me, you've heard me whinge about, like I don't accept and something I get really frustrated with is when, like I've been bagging the shit out of Spotify. Spotify is a horrible, has a horrible user interface. Horrible. Yeah. But everyone goes, no, it works just fine to me. And like, oh, have, has it ever played the music twice at, at the mm. same time? Oh yeah. Oh, has yep. it ever? Um, has it ever? Like, when you swipe, has it gone to the next podcast instead of like realizing you've accidentally touched the screen? Oh yep. yeah. 
it's like, well, okay, then no, you can't accept. Don't change your humanity your around technology. Yeah. Yep. Like, make the technology do it the way it's supposed to be. That it is supposed to be a software is supposed to be a tool for us. Yeah. We're not supposed to be a tool for the software. Man, so I, how I, often I theory... I'm listening to a podcast on Spotify and halfway through it just skips and goes to a completely different show. Like I've oh, I've not dude. hit any buttons or anything like that. It just skips yep. and goes and I go, huh? Like did like as someone who's done a podcast who has like fucked up the upload before, I go, Oh, that's weird. Like they've obviously this this big name podcast has stuffed up their audio and it's cut off halfway through. And I go back and go, Oh no, the podcast has still got fifty minutes to go. The app just changed um, it for some reason. I can't remember. Did I talk about it on the show about my gym was playing a Spotify playlist and it had eight songs on it and it doesn't like even just start replaying the same song. It just stops. But you know the app's open. Whereas like YouTube music, for example, it will just keep playing. So once you finish your playlist, mm. it'll just start a new playlist of stuff that it thinks you like and it actually yeah. does a pretty good job of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, isn't that just like a little UI thing that like sure I still want to listen to music I'll turn the music off when I don't want it or I'll close the app down when I don't want it that's right yeah anyway so yeah stuff like that alright so we do have a couple of we've got two subjects that we're mainly going to be speaking about today and we're going to start with the, the first one which I believe is one of the most important because it directly affects our podcast one of the things that we have lamented by starting our podcast during the pandemic is that we felt that we were being heavily censored, especially early on, and that heavily affected our ability to actually build an audience. And we felt that directly, particularly on YouTube, because we would go through phases where we would be building momentum and we'd start getting followers and subscribers. Oh, and by the way, just as a, just as a note, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we requested people hit the you subscribe don't. button last week. I think one person who was already subscribed hit it because we lost one last <laughs> week. <laughs> so, so guys, subscribe. Yeah, don't if, you, subscribe. if you haven't subscribed yet, please don't subscribe. Yeah, don't subscribe. But we, so we thought like we're, we're being heavily censored. Not and... thought, we knew because we ran tests. Remember, like, like remember, remember some of the clips that would put up on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. And we, depending on what the verbiage was, you'd get like one of, one of them would get like a hundred and, well, what were the impressions? There was ones that had like 5,000 impressions and then one had like 150 impressions just because it said a naughty word. Yeah, that's right. And so when I was saying we thought, we thought that early on because for the first like 12 months of us speaking about things like COVID and the pandemic and that sort of thing, like, like the censorship wasn't even really widely known about at all. We just, we just like, you know, some people were sort of mentioning it. Other people were just poo-pooing it going, going, that's ridiculous. Like we didn't really think about, about it too much. And we just thought at the end of the day, we're such a small channel that it's not going to matter. And then next thing you know, our episodes started getting strikes and pulled off and deleted and all of our social media posts literally all of a sudden stopped getting any reach at all like even if you um if you didn't say any of the bad words we just got absolutely zero reach so it started becoming more and more apparent and then obviously then it got confirmed then we had things like the twitter files which confirmed u.s government interactions with social media companies 
specifically around censoring people to do with COVID and then a whole range of other subjects has flowed on from them. What we have not seen until this week was proof of the Australian government doing the same thing. And uh, a South Australian senator, Alex Antict, had put in a freedom of information request to the... I don't even remember which specific department it was. It might have been the Department Wasn't of Wasn't ASIO? I, I can't remember if it was ASIO. It might have been. It might have been. I'm not, not 100% sure, so don't quote me on it. But he put in a freedom of information request uh, a while ago in regard... Like, the question essentially he was asking was, has the Australian government participated in similar censorship as to what we've seen confirmed through the Twitter files? And he finally got a response this week. Well would have been late last week he got the response and uh essentially the, the response was as such yes they were the australian government via the department of home affairs had requested somewhere in the vicinity of 4300 uh social media posts so this is over all platforms facebook instagram twitter etc uh be removed but the, the Freedom of Information Act request didn't actually give him any of the details of any of the tweets or or Facebook posts or whatever that the government had requested removal for. So that was sort of where, where it was at. And he, he requested further information. And in Senate estimates, the Department of Home, Home Affairs said that they would take it on notice and potentially bring some of the, um, bring some of the, the, the posts that they requested to be removed. In the meantime... Matt Taibbi, a journalist from the United States who participated in the Twitter files, he saw Alex Antich's uh, video on Twitter. So he decided to start going back through all of his information that he had from when he was doing the Twitter files dumps. And he's written... Um, actually, is this, this isn't his article, no. but So, so he, he's actually come forth with some of the information, specifically from Twitter, that they have seen through these... Uh, through these Twitter files. So if you can just scroll up a little bit, I want to read some of this, and you can zoom in slightly more, that would be great. There we go, that'll do. So his article on Racket News is called Twitter Files Extra, the COVID censorship request of Australia's Department of Home Affairs. Twitter files confirm that the Australian government has worked overtime to monitor COVID-related speech. So this was actually written by Andrew Lowenthal, but it's, with, it's in conjunction with Matt Taibbi. Thanks to the Twitter files, we've known for a while that the company's official censorship partnerships extended far beyond the United States. In Australia, for instance, the company had extremely close contact with the Department of Home Affairs. So just to... Just to oh, actually, no, I will continue. Uh, whose responsibilities include oversight of national security, law enforcement, border control, and the country's lead intelligence agency, the Australian Security Intelligence Organisation, or ASIO for short. Just released Freedom of Information Act documents reveal that Twitter received 4,213 requests from the Department of Home Affairs over a period of years, as reported in The Australian. However, the information gleaned from the request by Senator Alex Antich revealed little regarding the reasoning behind these requests, nor just how close the relationship was. In the Twitter files, Racket found 18 DHA emails collectively requesting 222 tweets to be taken down. Jokes and information that later turned out to be true were frequently included in the censorship requests, which came from something called the, in quotes, social cohesion division, 
of the Department of Home Affairs, in quotes, Extremism Insights and Communication Office. Not that DHA staffers were entirely sure of their spelling in every case. And if you scroll down, uh, he's just got a bit, uh, an example of one of the email signatures. Senior analyst uh, from the Extremism, Extremism Insights and Communication Social Cohesion Division. So just to stop there for a second. This is Orwellian 1984 shit. And everyone keeps going back to Orwell and they're flogging it like a dead horse. And I think it's starting to lose a little bit of its meaning. But the mm. reason why they're saying it is because this is exactly what was spoken about in that book. Look at the wording that they're using. The social cohesion division. What does that mean? We are, we are, we are uh, making sure society sticks together. That's yeah. what that says to me. On something we decide. That's right. So we, we are going to make sure society sticks together in this by censoring information that might make people question the official narrative. And even funnier, um, Jason read it out that um, the senior analyst, they'd spelt extremism wrong in their... That's in their in email their, signature, uh, yeah. Signature. So it says extreme sim insights and communication. Which is not great. It's not insightful or very communicative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's continue on. This is Anti-Disinformation 101, a group that can't spell check becoming the fact-checking authority for an entire nation and, as we'll later learn, globally. The same level of care was seemingly paid to requests and the value of free speech more broadly. Housing COVID-19 censorship management in an intelligence office normally dedicated to monitoring political extremism mirrors the broader global trend highlighted by earlier Twitter files reporting. Namely, that with the wind down of the war on terror, the intelligence community has switched its attention to countering violent extremism. This, in turn, provided broader cover for the censorship of disfavoured internal groups, like, for instance, vaccination sceptics or even just anti-lockdown activists. Now... Just to make a bit of comment on that, one of the things that we, one of the themes that we've mentioned time and time and time again, is the the fear the the feeling last week of the iron fist in the velvet glove. So when we had the war on terror, all of the propaganda, all of the Department of Home Affairs, their attention was all focused on the external and making sure the external, as in external to Australia and making sure that external actors, foreign actors, were not coming to Australia and like recruiting jihadis and terrorists mm. and all that sort of stuff. So it was all, that was actually focused, kind of in a way, on keeping Australians safe. Yeah. Since the wind down of the war on terror, like he's just spoken about, those same agencies have now looked internally at their own citizens who pay their salaries... And we, this is why we're seeing this rise in apparently uh, violent domestic extremism. So it's not a coincidence that at the moment our country is seeing these Nazi protests, Antifa po protests. We hear all the time on the TV about how right-wing extremism is one of the most dangerous things in the country. It's not... But these people in these intelligence agencies are still trying to justify their jobs and keep a paycheck. So they're going to make up shit to, to justify their existence. And this is what we're seeing. Just another little, little side note. 
two things. Uh, one, when you mentioned about the looking at terrorism abroad, something that I always found really uh, disturbing was that we had such ill view of refugees, even though we were the ones dropping bombs on their country. Yeah. Which I found abhorrent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, I went for a walk the other day and I saw another communist or socialist rally poster. Yeah. And a small part of me, I thought, like, we should go and... Well, content um, is king, dude. <laughs> we should go. Yeah. And do you know, I just had this really strange feeling. I was like, they're so organised. Like, I wonder I wonder if... I, I, what I would like to do is go get the names of the people hosting it mm-hmm. and then just do a bit of a deep dive and see what, what the deal is and see if there's any links there because I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a... Like, how do we justify having a, an anti-terrorist group when there's no terrorism? Yeah. Well, make terrorism. You know, That's the right. FBI got done for doing this. They had 45 agents keeping an eye on five... Uh, potential terrorists who they were making terrorists yeah that that's right um there was the 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 gretchen whitmer kidnapping case where out of 14 people uh involved in a kidnapping plot of a governor 12 of them were undercover agents yeah and they didn't realize until everyone got arrested so yeah you're right and and what you're speaking about with these all of these uh very well organized you know whether it's a marxist rally an antifa rally a a a pro-trans rights rally whatever it is i i think that it does this goes into what you were saying before about not when it's when it's an idea that maybe you've never thought of before don't just go back to your your first response on everything like just stop for a second and go can there be something different about this like Black Lives Matter, the organization in America, is the perfect example. They're in the news against this week because the organization has just filed for bankruptcy. So Black Lives Matter took millions and millions of dollars of donations over the last two years. $55 million. Yep. And the owners of... Oh, sorry, not the owners. The organizers of that organization have bought themselves all mansions and shit. There's no money left. And now they filed for bankruptcy. So, mm-hmm. So this is... This is one of the, like, what we're seeing so much with all of these, like, disinformation campaigns and etc. It is leveraging people's good wills and good souls and good hearts to be able to get an emotional response out of you to point you in the direction that someone wants you to go in, whether that's actually the right thing for you to do or not. Yeah. Yep. So we'll continue on. Whether or not any staff had public health expertise remains unknown. The DHA rarely provided evidence for their counterclaims, and where they do, they rely on fact-checking organisations like Yahoo and USA Today, rather than on Australia's own scientists. It's not possible to establish what public health competencies existed within a team dedicated to extremism and social cohesion, that appear to have avoided making use of government scientists. Just let that sink in for a second. Twitter staffers were under no illusion about who they were working with. On one occasion, a staffer suggested adding senior executives to an email chain for enhanced, in quotes, 5 eye visibility, end quote, on a series of public service announcements. Five Eyes is the term given to the intelligence sharing group that includes the US, UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Did I speak about 
recently how the Five Eyes countries got around the Patriot Act. No. I, I think I may have mentioned. So, if you go back to... So, the War on Terror and all that sort of stuff happened. And then uh, the mass surveillance began. But they brought in a thing called the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act uh, said to American citizens that the American government, it's illegal for the American government to spy on the communications, the private communications of its own citizens. So they can't just spy on text messages, emails, etc. Right? So that became illegal. But in the Patriot Act, what was not illegal was for foreign countries to spy on the citizens and then share that information directly with America. So we, the Australian government, spied on American citizens and then shared that information with America and vice versa. Yeah, I think Israel did it too for America. Yeah. Like they've been used, uh, uh, Israel has been used as an as a intelligence hub for the states. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So he's just got an example here of an, of an email. Um, you don't, you don't yeah, we don't have to really go through there. that. All right, continue down. So, as is the case with American counterparts, Twitter didn't just seek to comply with government requests, but frequently referred to the DHA as a partner. Twitter's hospitality also left them open to large-scale requests. Thank you, in quotes, thank you in advance for reviewing this hefty list, end quote, was the response when the DHA sent 44 requests on July 7, 2021. Now, what was significant when i heard that date i went hunting to find out what may have happened in australia on that particular date that may have resulted in enough social media activity to warrant that many requests for removal of information and the fun fact is on the 7th of july 2021 that was the day that the berejiklian government in new south wales announced that they were extending their lockdown by an additional week So lockdowns had just begun in Australia and they had then said it was going to be two weeks or whatever it was, the original one, and then they'd made the decision on that day to extend it for another week. So then all of a sudden, there would have been social media chatter and then our Australian government, instead of focusing on COVID, was at home on their laptops going, oh, Facebook, Twitter, we've got to get these tweets taken down, please. Mm. These hefty lists included jokes, Accounts with as few as 20 followers, claims that turned out to be true, and non-Australians, in quote, circulating a claim in Australia's digital information environment, end quote. Even a humorous commentary on masks was deemed too much for the fun police. In one case, a mere reply to a tweet claiming masks are useless was considered to have contradicted official information, making it, in quotes, potentially harmful. The tweet was literally a picture of Dan Andrews with a mask on saying, this mask is as useless as me. And that got flagged by the DHA. DHA called upon Twitter's own policy that penalised questioning the efficacy of masks. This is ironic considering a recent Cochrane review, which we covered on the podcast, meta-study of masks concluded, in quotes, the pooled results of randomised controlled trials did not show a clear reduction in respiratory viral infection with the use of medical and surgical masks. Cochrane is considered the gold standard in medical meta-analysis. Uh, in quotes, oh, sorry, in, in brackets, the author admits to previously being an enthusiastic mask tra- tragic. Regardless, the conclusion of DHA and Twitter was that government officials should never be challenged and that discussing contested topics requires banishment to digital Siberia to say nothing of what used to be a time-honoured Australian tradition of poking fun at authority. 
and the account in question has been suspended. This this is probably one of the reasons why our natural our national identity has shifted. Because I I think the jokers are still out there, but you don't see them, so you don't think Australia does that anymore. Yeah, I mean it's the nudge unit, right? The, in the UK, yeah. they had a nudge unit that was. Oh, what was that? What was the line from ScoMo? Remember when he said during the vaccine rollout, he was like, "You know, we've got the sheep there. We just got to get a cup, like get the rest of those sheep in through the mm. in through the stables." Yeah, you know, they're literally saying the quiet part out loud the whole time. Yeah, well, look, I, I don't, I don't think we need to read any more of that, do we? No, 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 no. Get the gist. Yeah. Some, okay. So, so, what do you know? The part that offends me the most. Okay. I get authoritarian government. We felt it. We saw it. They locked us in our houses. They forced yeah. us to take a jab. It didn't work, and they stopped the economy. Uh, they coercively controlled us. Yeah. Right. The thing that annoyed me the most is. They would have, like, these people that would have been working and doing this job, like, imagine getting briefed by your boss saying, mm. go on Twitter and look at stuff that you think is a bit naughty. Yeah. And because what, what, what they showed in the antic video, they said, well, we didn't, we didn't ban anyone. We didn't ban anyone. What we did is we just found the stuff and then we reported it to Twitter and then they, it was up to them. They That's banned right. it if it, if it, it, um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's semantics. It's their, They're trying to use semantics to get around it. But, well, okay, but what's even more interesting, though, so they said they would ban it because it would breach their terms of service. Yeah. And don't forget, their terms of service were changed by the governments at the start of this whole thing. That's right. They will, The governments forced them to change it to say, hey, you guys have a responsibility to, like, like push whatever we want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to change, like, so... And they're partners. They've said it in there. They're partners. That's Government right. partners. Public-private partnership. Yeah. Fascism. Real fascism. Here's mm. the thing that offends me the most. Whether, like... So I, I put my I put my Finbar hat on when I was thinking about this. And I thought, mm. what if I was a lefty, pro-vax, pro-mask uh, person? How would I feel about this? And I might feel that the government was doing the right thing by censoring dangerous misinformation online. I may actually think that. But here's the thing. The government swore till they were blue in the face that they weren't doing this. Yeah. So yeah, whether you yeah. agree with it or not, they, they said lied. they weren't doing it. They lied. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They lied. And... So you it would be at, an easy argument to, to do what you, you just said. It would yeah. be really easy for the, uh, the government to say, yeah, absolutely, we're, we're blocking that stuff. Like, yeah. it, it could be dangerous. It could, it, could, um, it could kill people. So, yeah, mm-hmm. 100% we're doing that. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I would have done. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But no, they, they claimed that they weren't doing any of these things, right? They claimed that everything was transparent the whole way through. Well, it's... Oh, yeah. Oh, how's that health advice? Well, yeah, have we, you seen that health advice yet? We still have, the the only bit of health advice we have literally ever seen for the entire pandemic. There was two examples of it. One was from New South Wales. One was from Western Australia. the The New South Wales information was when Kerry Chant told Brad Hazard that just locking down the poor suburbs and not the eastern suburbs wasn't the right oh, thing yeah. to do and they did yeah. it anyway yeah. and the other one was in West they're suing by the way that that building is suing 
which so they fucking should. And but this yeah, is the thing: yeah. they'll get paid taxpayer money, yeah. and no one will yeah, go yeah. to prison. The other yeah. example was Western Australia when the Western Australian Health Minister said to, uh, like, in an e- a direct email to um, Premier McGowan when he was talking about locking the border down again, he literally said to him, this will not work. This will not do anything. All you are doing is delaying the inevitable. Yeah. But he did it anyway. And he, he referred to the health advice saying to lock the border down. So those are the only two bits of health advice we've literally ever seen. And in both cases, the government contradicted the health expert. A uh, message for any clippers out there. I don't know. I don't know how to do it. But if someone could do it, if they could make like a supercut of every time the government in Australia referred to the health advice. Yeah. I would love to see that supercut because yep. it was every fucking time. Yeah. Oh, the health advice. Oh, the health advice. Oh, yeah, I need new car. Health advice. Uh, uh, I'm going to lock everyone in. The health advice. Oh, the health advice said this. Oh, health advice said I should cheat on my Yeah. Like, it was... I would love to see that. And the funny thing is that the majority of the health advice came from the World Health Organization, which the second highest funder... Like, it's supposed to be funded by nation states. The second highest funder of the World Health Organization is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And as we played on previous podcasts, Bill Gates gets 20x return on investment for his investment in vaccine technology. So, the health advice all has dollar signs written all over it. But but just to get back to the point... uh, one of the frustrating things for me about this story is going on Twitter and seeing uh, political partisanship trying to blame the other party. So on on the one hand, all the lefties go, yeah, well, it was the Morrison government. The Morrison government did all this yeah. stuff. Now, this is still going on. One of the things that slips out in um, from the Department of uh, Home Affairs director's uh, testimony is that the, the funding for the Australian government censorship of COVID posts ends on the 30th of June. So as of June 30, we're allowed to start, well, the, the government thinks we're allowed to start posting about COVID again, which would make sense since the World Health Organization has declared the pandemic over. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that social media platforms are going to change. And I would assume that they're not because their primary Partners. stockholders are BlackRock and Vanguard and the big hedge funds that control every part of this ecosystem. So I don't think you're really going to see a significant change. Speaking of like censorship, I got um, fact-checked. I got a a notification on. I shared one of John Campbell's um, videos talking about the upcoming mRNA flu vaccine. Yeah, from Moderna. he, He was reading the report from Moderna that said that they were testing it on 50 people. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is crazy if you think that it's okay to only test 50 people to put this new technology out. And I got uh, fact-checked, and the fact-checker, who has no medical background, yep. right? Uh, he, he did work, He was an author for WebMD, which is probably a fact-checker for there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, it was a big, long thing, just like what we've said, the uh, like we've... Sh- showed on the show before where the 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 thread is so long that you're not going to read it yep. well i read it um he basically said well no it's not um it's not 50 people it's actually way more because if it goes to um 
if it goes to the... Because it may go to phase two trials and it may go to phase three trials. Yeah, and if it goes to phase two trial, it gets uh, a, uh, over a thousand. But the other thing he also said is he referred to the FDA's uh, rules around vac- uh, uh, vaccine safety checks. The whole point, the whole thing was about the UK. Yeah. had nothing to do with the FDA. It was the National Healthcare Service, not the National Institutes of Health from America. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because my post is flagged. His post is flagged with fact-check false. Yeah, false this information. fact-check false, false information. Right. But this guy was wrong. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't You can't go and say, hey, no, you're wrong. They won't yeah. change. I don't care. And this is, this is the problem. Wrong. And this is where when I... Like, when I give criticism to lefties and my criticism is that the left doesn't care about data the reason why i always say that is because number one i honestly believe it but number two it's the whole problem in the first place because the left mainly cares about feelings not facts so when you Mm. see fact checked as false information and you've seen you've but, but worse than that You've seen before that John Campbell's been fact-checked as false information. So you think he's a discredited source. I can't they, they said him. that, in there. They said that. Yeah. They said um, he is a like a, a proponent of misinformation about COVID vaccine. That's right. So This uh, is the guy that only reads studies. Yeah. Uh, he reads out the studies that are done, show, like sites where they are, shows yep. them, and only like peer-reviewed. It, it, it's evidence. He puts evidence up That's there. right. And when you look at the most recent bivalent booster that the FDA approved, they approved it based on it being tested on eight mice. That's it. Yeah. Huh. And also but then there was another article. Do you know why? Do you know why? Do you know why? Do you know why it works? Because that sounds crazy. Yeah, of course. So no one would believe if you said that, but it's true. Yeah. You but can also, go and read it. It's if, on their fucking website. If we did say that, we would get fact-checked as false information. Yeah. And it would be for some bullshit reason. But it doesn't matter because people don't read it. Like you said, and this is what I mean by the left doesn't care about data. No mm-hmm. one reads the fact-checks with a critical thinking brain on and goes, uh, you, like, one of the most interesting ones that I can think of, which is the best example because it's a non-COVID related one, was Seymour Hersh's uh, article about the Nord Stream pipeline being blown up. And that was fact-checked as false information. Even though he's like a Pulitzer Prize winning, award winning journalist, has however many decades Ep- in the Epstein's game. Epstein's now Epstein sympathizer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, he... So he was fact-checked as false information. And same thing. You had to read through the whole fact-check to be able to figure out why. And the whole thing that they pinned it on was that he had a map showing where American military bases were. And it wasn't 100% accurate. But even in the article... It wasn't finished. In the article itself, it literally says underneath the picture that this is an old image, not 100% accurate but it gives you an idea of what we're talking about. So he actually... Yeah, like it, it was a cartoon. It, it looked like a cartoon yeah, map. Yeah, he like covered that like in the a, article. Hey, yeah, it's like around these areas just to give you... Yeah. So so we can understand the topography. It yeah. wasn't a freaking GPS, you know, topographical map. 
That's right. But the way that this misinformation and disinformation network works is we go, okay, there's information I don't like. Throw the mud of fact check false on top of it and we'll worry about trying to disprove it later. Because we know for the vast majority of people who are even going to see that article, they're just saying it's false. They'll switch off and it's done. Yeah. Yeah. It's the health advice. Fact exactly. check is the health advice. Yeah. yeah. Just a label that you can means you can get away with doing whatever you want. Yeah. So in summary, uh, the Australian government, your taxpayer dollars actively went towards censoring uh, citizens' social media posts during the pandemic at a clip of, it works out to be about four posts per day for three years straight. So yeah. when we're in all this shitloads of debt at the moment, that the governments keep saying how we've you know, we've got all this COVID spend that we need to pay back. Uh, that's what they're spending your money on. Wait a minute, no, well, hold on. What did you say? What did you just say there? I thought all this COVID stuff was free. We were told hmm. that it was all absolutely free. What What do you mean we have to pay it back? Yeah, it was yeah. free, remember? They said it was free. Nice segue. They said, go was... down to your doctor. They said, go to Bunnings and get your free vaccine. They said yeah. it was free. Yep. I, I think we're going to have to fact check that. We'll get fact checked as false on that one too. Remember remember, remember near the beginning when I said that this was a wealth transfer? Yeah, funny that. Mm-hmm. So in Victoria this week, they've just dropped their budget. Now that we've been saying idea. for months that Victoria's economy was being run the worst out of every state in the country. They spent the most during COVID and they had the worst outcomes during COVID. Yeah. Well done, Dan. And we, and the Victorians still voted him back in. And I know that it was only 37% of the primary vote and they have the um, group voting ticket scam down there and blah, blah, blah. But 37% of people still voted for him. And now... I want to say this too. I want to say this. To all you high vis wearing guys that voted for him because you thought you were going to keep your jobs, yeah, like you've learned a lesson. I hope those so. jobs are gone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Voice of Victoria reported uh, some of these budget announcements this week. So they brought out a new COVID tax. So it says here, property owners hit with the COVID tax. The Andrews government has revealed changes to land tax will help repay $31.5 billion in COVID-related debt. Let me let me just repeat that for you. $31.5 billion in COVID-related debt. This is only Victoria. This is not Australia. Uh, I like it how Debbie noticed John Campbell doesn't say billion anymore he goes yeah, thousand million, thousand million. which i think yeah. you need to do because all these numbers yeah. they just lose just meaning yeah it is 31.5 thousand million dollars in covid yeah. debt what's changed from it was january... free it was free yeah it was free all this stuff was free uh from january 1st 2024 around 380,000 taxpayers will pay a fixed land tax for the first time while 480,000 will be subject to a rise in their existing payments how much extra tax per year around $1,300 uh so in brackets it says $500 lump sum for a non-primary residence with a land value of 50 to 100,000 yeah i don't know how many 
properties in Victoria are worth between fifty and a hundred grand. Yeah. Um, $975 for between $100,000 and $300,000, $975 plus 0.1% of value for three hundred grand plus. For how long? The government says the land tax change will last a decade until the COVID debt is repaid. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So a three-year debacle is going to cost 10 years and raise taxes? That's a shit deal, especially when it was free. Okay, well, there's a few other things about this too that we need to we need to mention. Number one, the most important thing about this entire thing for me is the COVID element to this is a classic misdirection because the COVID debt is only one fifth of the state's total debt. But all they want to do is talk about COVID, uh, right? Because they want to go, oh, well, look, we're all in all this debt, so we need to bring in all these extra taxes because of COVID. No, the COVID spending is only one-fifth of the state's debt. Where's the other 80% from? Did you also see the cheeky little manoeuvre he's made where he told uh, businesses that they can claim uh, they can claim these up these costs on their federal tax yeah it wasn't it wasn't businesses it was it was the investment property owners that you can claim it against your tax return or like these costs against your tax return so he's just trying to steal federal money but i also wouldn't be surprised if albanese is just helping him out anyway like i don't think albanese gives a shit yeah i wonder if it's one of those things where they're not allowed feds aren't allowed to just gift money like that i wonder if it is just a stooge to yeah to get it through uh, i saw i saw a, a a graphic today it was like the victoria would be the most in debt um oh, like even putting if you threw all the states of australia and canada together it's like number two for the most indebted per revenue stream i think like 280 percent the no i saw what you saw what it is, they're actually comparing Victoria against other states like Victoria around the world, and it is in the most debt of any similar state around the world. So was when they two hundred eighty percent of revenue, it's two hundred percent of revenue. Yeah, is their debt? It was, no, no, it was like late twos. I'm not sure if it was that high, uh, but anyway, anyway regardless, sure. it's it's oh. over two hundred percent, which is fucking wild. But yeah. I can't remember who said the quote. It might have been Margaret Thatcher, maybe. But but I remember the quote, which is, the problem with socialism is always that you end up running out of everyone else's money. This is what you're yeah. seeing, Victoria. So Victoria is essentially a socialist state. Look at all of the bullshit that Dan Andrews has been pulling recently. Like, all of this stuff around, around like trans issues. I get it. You know, you want to cuddle people. That's a socialist thing. We want to we want to cuddle every minority group. Fine, but think about how much money it costs to, for example, uh, put flags up. Like, how many stories have we read recently about if you if you raise a flag up, how many thousands of dollars does that cost to even raise the Australian flag every day? I'll give you an example. There was a strip of road on the Gold Coast that was like. 200 meters long right and they turned it into a t3 transit lane yep. and it didn't work they want to change it back to a normal lane which meant removing the t3 transit lane signs like four of them yeah and then 
painting the lines black that say T3 Transline and right. cost them 20 million bucks. Yeah. And this all just goes back to these union scams like I've, I've bleated yeah. about till I'm blue in the face. But, I, I, okay, I've got a little story for you in regards to this. I went to the servo today to get some fuel and one of the things that I'm trying really, really hard to do at the moment and it's probably because I don't get out of the house that much because most of the time I'm just taking care of Jake or the boys, is whenever I have an interaction, I always ask people how their day is going and how their week's been. Mm-hmm. Because most people don't, because most people don't care. And it is yep. amazing the response that you get from people when you ask those questions because their eyes light up because you can tell that no one's even asked them. Yeah. So I went to the servo today. Hey, how's your day going? Oh, yeah. Like, look, it's... Look, it's been better than yesterday. I said, oh, like what happened yesterday? She goes, you wouldn't believe it. We had four petrol drive-offs yesterday. I said, okay, how many do you normally have? And she goes, we've, we've normally averaged about, like over the last couple of years, we normally average about four drive-offs a week. We had four yesterday. We're probably averaging about two to three a day at the moment. Wow. And she goes, the day before that, I had a guy come in here who walked over to the fridge, pulled all of the like sandwiches, the you know, the pre-made sandwiches and stuff they sell at the servo, just threw them all into a bag and went to walk out. And she goes, Hey, you gonna pay for that? And he goes, Nope, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. And he just walked out. Wow. This is the real world uh effect cost. and the cost, yeah, of everything that we are experiencing from this government mismanagement. Government mismanagement has caused the cost of living crisis. They've caused yeah. the interest rate crisis, which is which is directly lead. So this this new COVID tax in Victoria, all that's going to do is raise rent prices. That's all it's going to do. And the problem is too. And I said this to you when they when they first announced it. The the socialists and the Marxists down in Victoria will be cheering for this policy because in their mind. Anyone who owns an investment property, they're a rich person. Take yeah. that off them. Punish them. The rich can pay for the COVID stuff. Yeah. Right? What they don't understand is that all that rich person in their mind, who is probably not a rich person, they're probably just a battler like anyone else who's tried to get into the investment property game because in Australia, traditionally, it's been the only way to build middle-class wealth in this country Mm. unless you become an entrepreneur, which most people don't have the bone in their body to do that. Mm. So they aren't rich, but all they're going to do is pass on that additional cost of the COVID tax to their renter. Which is the Marxist or socialist who's on Twitter saying, yeah, fuck these people. And then the next yeah. tweet you're going to see is, my landlord's just put my rent up by $100 a week. Woe is me. And you know, it's even worse than that too. And we, we've seen the price gouging uh, because the inflation was up. Big companies just went, oh, sweet. There's the best excuse to raise the, Absolutely. the, the, the price of everything. We'll just yep. raise it. Like a lot of the shipping stuff is... It's not a problem anymore. You know, I I talk to, I've got friends that get stuff regularly from China, like uh, shipping containers from China, and it was an absolute nightmare. He, I was talking to him the other day, and he was like, shipping containers are back down to like two grand. They were 12 Mm -hmm. grand. And he's like, China's now desperate to, uh, uh, like, they're they're moving so fast now. Yeah. Like, it's back, yet the prices are still up because Because they can. 
and what do you think is going to happen? What do you, yeah, if you've got an investment property in, in Melbourne, you go, oh, sweet, you know, like this $1,000 is what's that a week, 20 bucks a week. Um, well, I'll get 50. Yeah, and exactly. I'll just blame it on the, yep. I'll blame it on the tax. And, and a lot of people I see saying, oh, yeah, like, no, that's good. They should be, like, if they can't handle it, they should just be forced to sell that house and then there'll be more houses around for first home buyers. Oh, hey, duk, 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 knock, knock. Hey, first home buyers can't afford these houses, especially with the interest rates as high as they are because their borrowing capacity is down through the shitter. Mm. Like, that's the other effect of interest rates that people don't understand. It is not just about how much money it costs you every single month to to finance that asset. It's about the fact that when you go in to try to get a loan and the bank does your capacity calculation, so my my mortgage, for example, and I'll be upfront and honest here, my mortgage since the beginning of these rate rises has gone up by $650 a month. And that is with me negotiating with the bank to get an almost 2% rate reduction. So if I didn't negotiate that, my mortgage mm. would be up by about $850 a month. And I'll tell you, there's a lot more to go. Yeah. And here's the here's other thing. thing. Here's another got... element that will make you sick but... is that with these high interest rates, if you're rich and you have cash in the bank, you can now make more money. That's right. Doing nothing. Yeah. Doing nothing. So this is nothing. the thing. When, when these not wealthy, middle-class battlers trying to make some wealth are forced to sell out of these houses because they can't afford them anymore, who's going to buy them? The cash flush rich people who are ready to go, <laughs> who are not affected yeah. by interest rates. Yeah. Like that's well, the game. Well, benefited by it. Benefited by it. Don't yeah. forget though, that some of those, just to, just to paint your picture, there's a rich guy out there that's probably got 2 million bucks sitting in cash in the bank. When those interest rates go up, he could basically pay for your mortgage with the interest rate pump. Yeah, with the additional interest that he makes. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's not everyone in Australia that's that's struggling at the moment because if you look at the banks, they're reporting record profits quarter quarter in, quarter out because they yeah. benefit from these rate rises because the retail banks in Australia were loaned $180 billion by the Reserve Bank of Australia at a fixed rate of 0.1% during the pandemic, which they lent to you, which they're now expecting 55 to 6% for. All that does is pad their profits. Yeah. Like, this is a game, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you that for all of the socialist lefties out there, like, this is the thing. I'm not a full-blown right-wing conservative. I'm absolutely not. There are many policies which I believe in which are left-wing policies, like socialized healthcare. Like, that's not a right-wing policy. That's a left-wing mm. policy. Um, I believe in, you know, I'm not a racist. I believe in treating people with respect. I believe in adults being able to do whatever it is that they choose to do in the privacy of in their own home, as long as they're not hurting anyone. Like, I believe in a lot of the lefty stuff. The issue with a lot of left-wing politics and people who support left-wing politics in particular is because they don't care about the data... All they care is about how the idea makes them feel and they don't actually understand what the idea looks like in practice until it's too late. And this is what you've seen in Victoria. The reason why Victoria's debt is higher than Queensland, New South Wales and Tasmania's put together, it's not because they have more people, it's because of economic mismanagement by the government. Mm. 
And I don't think it is just mismanagement. As I've said before on the podcast, I think it is deliberate mismanagement because it's money laundering from the government using your taxpayer monies being funneled through the funneled through the unions who are getting go go and look at any union building project in Victoria and tell me what was it what was it listed at in the budget and what did the cost end up being after the fact and then subtract that difference and that's the overpayment of your tax dollars on that project that went straight to a union construction crew that's where all the money's gone. So if you guys want to all think corruption. that Daniel Andrews just loves you all because he's pro-trans, even though he's even though he's become like inherently anti-woman too at the same time, yeah. like you're kidding yourself. He's just taking you all for a ride. And yeah. I hope you learn the lesson from this. I really, really do. Like you said, to all you construction workers down there who are union guys who who had the the speech come out where they said you know we know he's a dickhead but you're not voting for dan andrews you're voting for your jobs because he's he's promising like these are all the projects that he's committed all these billions of dollars to and now the funding for those has been pulled and not only has he has he pulled it he's blamed the federal government for pulling the funding even though he emailed them and saying hey can you guys pull this funding because then i can blame you not me he just hoodwinked you and he'll do what it again. Up. He will and on do that it again. note. Let's leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. See you next week.